Welcome to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast, which aims to advance gospel-centered youth ministry by equipping and empowering youth ministers and parents to faithfully disciple students towards lifelong faith in Jesus Christ. The Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast is part of the Rooted Family of Podcasts, which also includes Ask Alice, All About Boys, and Thanos to Theos. To learn more about Rooted, visit www.rootedministry.com. I'm your host, Davis Lacey. We're recording and publishing this podcast in the middle of Advent season 2020, and what a year it has been. Uh, But as we come to the close of this year, we do just like what we do in most any year, and that is to look back and to reflect. I'm excited to host two special guests today on the podcast uh, who will help us look back, not just over this past year, but over the past 20 years, over the first 20 years of the new century and of the new millennium. Uh, Our two special guests here today are none other than longtime rooted friends, Mike McGarry and Walt Mueller. Mike McGarry is the student pastor of South Shore Baptist Church in Hingham, Massachusetts. Uh, He is a former rooted steering committee member, a lifelong New Englander uh, who is doing his best to cope with the New England sports era post Tom Brady <laughs> and post Mookie Betts. My heart goes out to you, brother. Oh, uh, and thank like- you so much. <laughs> You're so welcome. Uh, and likewise, Walt Mueller, past conference speaker at Rooted, uh, joins us today as the founder and the president of the Center for Parent and Youth Understanding. Gentlemen, welcome today to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Thanks. Well, I feel so welcome after that, Davis. You're so welcome. Just a little Southern hospitality for you. <laughs> oh, sure. Thanks. I, and I, will... and I, I appreciate you didn't say anything about Philly sports. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because as, as much as I make fun of other sports teams, as a, as a native Georgian, uh, lifelong Georgia sports fan, uh, it was, I really wish that Mookie Betts was still playing for the Red Sox because he absolutely is the reason that the Braves did not go to and win the World Series this year, and that's frustrating. Mookie's amazing. Ah, he really is. <laughs> he really is. But I digress. Uh, fortunately for us, we have much more substantial things to talk about than uh, the Philadelphia Eagles or the Boston Red Sox or any team that hails from the state of Georgia, and that is a good thing. (laughs) Um, Gentlemen, you know, nobody listens to this podcast to hear me speak. We have great guests, and you're no exception to that rule. I'd love for you to introduce yourselves, and so I'd love not just for a personal introduction, but also for you to tell us a little bit about your experience in youth ministry, why you got into it, what roles that you filled, and about how your studies in academics have helped you to understand youth ministry from an academic perspective. So, Mike, I'll go ahead and start with you with that question. Go ahead and introduce yourself to us. Sure, yeah. Well, my name is Mike McGarry, and I'm the youth pastor at South Shore Baptist Church in Hingham, Massachusetts, about 20 miles south of Boston. And uh, I've been serving in youth ministry for uh, about 15, 15 and a half years. And I, I love it. I love the opportunity to invest in the next generation. Um, I know when I was a teenager, I had a great youth pastor, and he made a significant impact in my life. And um, it's, an, it's an honor and a joy to be able to, to serve students and to see them grow and mature from those uh, socially awkward uh, sixth graders into uh, college students and, and beyond. I love it. So um, I, I've did my seminary work at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary in South Hamilton, Massachusetts. did my MDiv there, and then followed that up uh, a number of years later with my doctor of ministry degree, which was overseen by yours truly, Walt Mueller. So it all comes uh, I, I full turned circle. My, yeah, I turned my thesis into a book that was published last year with Randall House, uh, a Biblical Theology of Youth Ministry. And it looks at uh, a biblical, historical, theological foundations for um, the question, is youth ministry biblical? And following that up with a book that's coming out with New Growth Press in 2021 uh, called Lead Them to Jesus. And that's a handbook for youth workers. So congratulations. Uh, yeah, um, I'm excited. Yeah, A Biblical Theology of Youth Ministry is such a helpful book. Even for someone like me who's, who's more overseeing youth ministry and church planting rather than directly in the trenches as a youth pastor, but that has been a formative book that I've handed to folks, our, our parents, and then folks who are ministering to our teenagers in our church as we as a church are crafting 
um, how we minister to young people. So thank you, brother, for that book. It's a gift to the church, and I can't wait to read um, your new book coming out in 2021. Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Appreciate yeah. your contribution. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Walt, would love to hear from you as well. And, and also, if you've got any great stories about Mike from his days uh, as one of your pupils, I would love to hear those as well, as would our listeners. <laughs> How long is this podcast? <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah, not Maybe that we'll, long. Fair enough. Maybe we'll get you on for a B-side sometime down the road. Yeah. That sounds yeah, that, good. That, there actually is a complete series of podcasts wrapped up in that. I could talk about all kinds of things with that. No, Mike well, did a great job. I regret this introduction now. Well, just wait. I'm going to say some nice things about you. Mike oh, okay. did a great job. He was part of our first cohort up there at uh, Gordon-Conwell and our Doctor of Ministry and Ministry to the Emerging Generations. And uh, I, I, his work was stellar. Uh, I was thrilled that it was published. And I know that it's blessing lots and lots of folks now. And that's what we hope for all the time up there, you know, that people aren't going to engage in a project or write something that's going to sit on a shelf, but that it will benefit the kingdom. And uh, Mike certainly has contributed something to that through his hard work. So he did a great job. You know, my story is similar to Mike's in the way that it began in that during my high school years, I had uh, some amazing guys, three, three in particular, who were seminary students themselves who were brought to our church outside of Philadelphia on the weekends to do youth ministry. And what I remember about them first and foremost as a teenager was their willingness to enter into my life and have a relationship with me, that their willingness to answer my questions, uh, their willingness to be seen in public with me, uh, their willingness to be honest with me. And those three guys are all still on the move out there in ministry of some sort. And they left quite an impression on me. And I, so I decided, you know, when I graduated from high school, you, you, yeah, at that point in time, you really did have to figure out what your next step was and what you were going to do specifically. What are you going to major in in college? And I knew that I loved people. I'm, I'm by nature an extrovert, and I get a lot of energy from being around people. So I decided to head off to Geneva College and major in sociology. That was quite formative for me to engage with one of the social sciences from a distinctively biblical perspective. And when I came out, I went into campus-slash-youth ministry with an organization called the Coalition for Christian Outreach. Got some great training there. Just did an interview last week with Steve Nichols at League and Ear Ministries, and you know, League and Ear Ministries figured in a lot in my in my own development early on. Spending time with R.C. Sproul when they were still in the town of of League and Ear, and uh, that 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 work in in ministry in Western Pennsylvania really led to a call to do this full time, and so. Um, after a few years in local church youth ministry, I felt that I was probably gifted with some good intuition in terms of ministry and relational skills, but felt that I could really climb the ladder quite a bit in terms of, uh, you know, biblical studies and theology, that my teaching could really be enhanced. So I went off, as Mike did, to Gordon-Conwell Seminary, graduated from there, back into youth ministry. And um, the big thing in my story is that we were very intent on doing family ministry. We were not about segregating the generations. We were about integrating the generations. We knew that parents were the ones primarily responsible for the spiritual nurture of their kids. So we enlisted all kinds of strategies and, and approaches uh, to equip parents. And that really built a good relationship with them. And what that led to was uh, some questioning on their part, they came to me, they said, hey, we have a problem, which scared me to death, because usually when parents come to the youth worker and they say, we have a problem, you know that you're the problem. That, I was about <laughs> to say, that's never a, that's never yeah. a good right, way to start right. the conversation. You, just, you, get, you, get, you start to quake rockets. in your boots, yeah. And But this time, um, unfortunately, the problem was not me. The problem was they said, we know we need to be responsible for the spiritual nurture of our kids, but they're growing up in a world, this was in you know the, the late 1980s, they're growing up in a world that's markedly different from the world we grew up in. Can you help us understand their world? And I, I thought, okay, they're asking. I need to do this. And so, with my background, you know, in sociology, I, I, I minored in anthropology. Um, I loved cultural studies, and I loved looking at sociology and anthropology through a biblical lens. So, started to talk to them on very practical terms about youth culture. 
and saw that that was incredibly helpful to them in terms of crossing cultures with the gospel. And the students, their, their kids, uh, came back. I, I was afraid they'd say, hey, you're selling out on us. You, you, sell, you know, you're telling our parents about our world. What kind of friend are you? And the exact opposite happened. I saw families being built and spiritual nurture taking place. And the demand for, for that kind of spread word of mouth. And I didn't aspire to this at all. But for the last 32 years, it led to um, starting the Center for Parent Youth Understanding and they're providing information and analysis on contemporary youth culture to youth workers, parents, and others from a distinctively Christian perspective, something I never aspired to, never dreamed I'd be doing, but uh, this has been my life. So uh, I've been deeply entrenched in the youth ministry world for multiple generations. It's, it's getting close to 50 years. If you think about, you know, I started working as a volunteer in 1974. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's been amazing to me. I know we're going to look back. When you say we're going to look back 20 years, Davis, I'm thinking, well, that's nothing. Mm. Um, so it'll be fun to, to talk about that, you know, because my, my, I really have a long view on this in terms of the changes that have taken place in the culture, in the church, and then in youth ministry as well. Yeah. Well, well, we'll start with you then, and I'd love, as we look back, specifically over the last 20 years, but we can go a little bit further back as well, um, especially to get some context on the last 20 years. But in the last 20 years or so, give me some highlights of what do you think that the field of youth ministry has gotten right? Well, I think, you know, one area in which youth ministry has been really, really strong, and I think the reason for this is, you know, a lot of us that go into youth ministry are actually driven by relationships. You know, we're extroverts. We love to be around people. We love kids. Uh, One of the things that we've really done well is the relationships. And I see, you know, people in youth ministry are, are good at you know, crossing over those those generational divides and and understanding developmental issues and really working to build friendships with, with kids. And that was a big part of what I did as well. I would say another thing that's been fun to watch, and this is really unique to me perhaps, is when I started to talk about, you know, the need to, as one theologian said, start the day with a Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other, I got tons of pushback uh, in the church in general as I started to speak um, here in the U.S. and then elsewhere and, you know, train people in how to do cultural exegesis as it relates to youth culture. I got tons of pushback. You know, well, doesn't God call us to leave culture? Aren't we supposed to turn our back on those things? Or aren't we supposed to put no vile thing before our eye? And so a lot of what I was involved in was developing an apologetic for why we should engage theologically with culture, going back to Jesus and his high priestly prayer for his disciples in all times and all places, you know, to be in the world, but not of the world. And so, you know, I, I, I've seen over the years an embracing of that, that need to know the culture. But if I can skip ahead, one of the things that I think we've gotten wrong, both in the youth ministry world and in the church, is as early on I was pushing people to, hey, you need to know the culture. Now I think we've gone too far into the culture and and we aren't giving the scriptures. And I'm speaking generally now in the church and in their youth ministry world. Sure. We aren't giving the scriptures um, you know, primary <laughs> primary consideration. I mean, we are, I think, in many ways caving to the culture. And so I've seen that pendulum shift as well. But um, I think as well, let me, let me just add one more thing. You know, having the conversation with me and Mike, I think, weighs into this, is that I do think that there's, in some circles, a higher value in youth ministry on training and, and, and academic training. I do think there are pockets where, you know, seminary degrees, college major in youth ministry is frowned upon. Uh, hey, I just need to go out there and do it. Look, I tried that. And and you can do a lot just based on intuition and your giftedness and your personality skill sets. But ultimately, what we want to do is step aside and, and serve as signposts, you know, to point kids to the cross, to the gospel. And that means we need to know it. So uh, I do think, though, it's been a good thing that there's there are more options now 
uh, for some of the more academic, deep training. And whether that's self-driven through your reading and your study and the things that you find online that are reputable and good, or, or whether it's a more formal education, which I have really valued in my own life and push people towards. I think those are some, some of the good trends. Thank you so much for that. Mike, I'd love to hear your perspective as well. What are some of the things um, that you would agree with with Walt, and then what else would you add in terms of things that the field of youth ministry has done well over the past 20 years or so? Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree uh, with Walt that I think um, probably the best thing that youth ministry has a long-standing legacy of doing really well, probably better than any other area of the church, it has to do with relational discipleship. Um, now, you can question how effective we've been at the discipleship part of things, um, mm-hmm. but the relationships, um, I mean, that is just the bread and butter of, of youth ministry, isn't it? Um, and so entering into students' worlds, earning the right to be heard, um, and just loving on kids, uh, which is always a phrase that's kind of crawled up my back and made me feel a little funny. Um, but however people express it in the youth ministry worlds, um, you don't have to talk to a youth pastor for very long until you hear them talking about uh, the importance of relationships with students. And I think that's really good. Um, I do think that youth ministry has also been one of the more evangelistically minded areas of the church um, in trying to reach out to the unchurched kids in the community, um, getting involved in the, in the schools and um, building community centers, um, empowering students to do service projects, this type of uh, social mindedness, I think, um, has some real value and some real merit to it. Um, and so I, I know we're going to talk a little bit about maybe where, where youth ministry has uh, not done the greatest job, but I do think that at least uh, carrying the gospel to students who did not grow up in the church who want nothing to do with Jesus, um, even the ministries who are who are not very effective at doing that want to. Um, and I, I think that's instructive. I think that's healthy. Yeah, that, that's, that's good. I, I love these, and it's helpful to be able to reflect back on that and say, yes, man, I see all of those. I affirm all of those because to each of your points, you're right. Uh, the field of youth ministry and youth ministers, youth pastors in, in particular, uh, have gotten a lot of criticism, especially over the past 20 years, whether that is um, as a result of the high dropout rates of students who graduate from high school and then aren't functionally part of the church after you know a year or so of graduating, and you see different percentages on that, um, or just the methodology, right? You've talked about sort of a glorified pizza party with a Jesus juke at the end. Yeah. Um, I, I, what, you know, whatever it is, there's plenty of criticism that has been given to the field of youth ministry and to youth ministers. So, um, Mike, you, you spoke, and I'll, I'll let you just continue to speak because you were you were leading into this. What are some of those critiques that you would affirm, that you would share, and say these things have not been healthy, especially over the past twenty years or so? Yeah, well, I, I think that um, so we've we've led students in service projects and missions trips and evangelism and these types of things, uh, but we've been um, we've we've held to such a thin gospel um, that only has to do with getting kids to, to pray a prayer or to maybe get them converted. Um, we haven't framed kids um, and grounded students in a gospel-centered worldview in understanding how the gospel shapes all areas of life. So then they graduate and leave the church, but hold on to kind of some of the social stuff that we've taught. And I'd kind of be interested in someday doing some, some more research on, on that. Um, and how much does the, the social justice movement of millennials reflect what youth ministry has taught them without the gospel? Mm. You know, in, in what ways have, has youth ministry actually discipled and shaped a, an entire generation but then they dropped the, the religious component of it. That's good. Um, that's and good. I think that's what happens when you, when you only think about the gospel as an evangelism tool 
rather than as kind of the heartbeat of the entire Christian experience. Walt, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. What are some of the critiques yeah. that, that you would say, yeah, these are valid critiques that, that youth ministry has not gotten right over the past 20 years or so? Yeah, and I actually knew this question was coming, so I, I, I have a list that um, I have to admit it, it's long, and a lot of it's related to self-critique, things I've seen myself fall prey to, you know, especially early on, but now standing back as one of the older guys, and I hope you know, more, more mature in my faith than I was when I started and maybe, uh, with some, some more wisdom than I had early on. Um, so I, I've got, I've got a little bit of a, a list here, a few things, but I, I want to piggyback on something Mike said first, and that is, I, I would totally agree with him on his assessment of one of the weaknesses. You know, the evangelistic component is strong. And when I talk to youth workers, one of the things I hear consistently is they say, I I, I just want to bring kids to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's a beautiful thing, right? It's well-intentioned. It really is what we're about. It's the Great Commission. Yeah, but it's the just part that actually has become quite functional. Oh, wow. In the sense yeah. that in terms of the way that we practice, we just bring them to Jesus oh, and we wow. don't take them much further. And I think that's where, you know, I, I, I have a strong background in... Uh, I hope this doesn't scare people, but Dutch neo-Calvinism, Abraham Kuyper, all of life redeemed. And Mike was, you know, talking about that. We haven't taught our kids how to integrate faith into all of life. And one of the reasons I think that is, is that we as youth workers have not been trained Mm -hmm. to to come to an understanding of what whole life discipleship is. So in other words, you know, I, I look at a youth worker who's working with athletes. Well, you know, what we need to do is disciple those athletes into what it means to glorify and honor God as they play, as they practice, as they, you know, strategize for a game. It doesn't mean to be a Christian in athletics doesn't mean that you pray before the game and you pray after the game. It really is about what happens during the game. And and so I think with any area of life, you know, that's where I think we've, we've failed and we haven't done a good job. And this is why... When you start to, and I, I, again, I've been doing this long enough to see, you know, kids leave. And the adult church that we have now that is marked by statistics that are, and studies that tend to be incredibly troubling, uh, especially for those of us who are older, uh, you know, I think that those were our youth group kids. And I think in many ways we failed with those kids who are now adults and parenting themselves. And so moms and dads, by and large, you know, Christian moms and dads, maybe they've just come to Jesus, but what does it mean, you know, beyond that? So I think that's a a huge thing. And, And I'll throw this in as well. You know, you could ask me about some other things I have on my list, but I think one of the problems now in our youth ministry world is, you know, the 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 advent of social media has just changed everything and our our baser sinful depraved instincts are so drawn in to the world of social media and the opportunity to have a blog write a book do a podcast um you know speak at a conference and 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 do all these things without having you know, virtually any experience at all or anything really to blog, right? The worst side of platform building, right? Yeah, it is. And, you know, Mike, you've heard me talk about this. You've been in class with Duffy and myself, and we talk often about, you know, none of us aspired to the positions that we, that God has put on us in the youth ministry world in terms of training and teaching. And, and, and it's, it's not easy, you know, it's not, I, I say to people, don't aspire to this, man, this, this is not an easy thing to do, but the other thing is when we aspire to these things, you know, why are we aspiring to them? And Duffy and I have often said, you know, we, we'd compare notes, like, how many people did you have come up to you today after the seminar, youth workers who said, I have a question, and you think they're going to ask about what you just spoke on, and what they ask is, how do I, how can I do what you do? Well, what do you mean? Study culture? Teach youth ministry at a university? What? No. How can I speak? How how can I become a speaker? And Mm. we tell, I mean, it's, it's disheartening to hear that because you wonder what's motivating that. And so we're really now into brand building, um, 
you know, developing followers, seeking celebrity. Just be faithful to what God has called you to do and, and you know, work, work hard. And I, I, I think we all, it doesn't matter what you do, you have to deal uh, with that gnawing sin of pride and our default. I tell people all the time, that's my default setting is towards that and yours is too. We're broken people. And so I think that's an area where I think we've weakened a bit and we need to be reminded a little more about what it means to be called to a ministry and engage in a ministry with with, trusting in the Lord, you know, to expand in the way that he wants things to expand rather than in how the world defines that. Again, in a social media world, that's a tough one. That's so helpful. Um, and, I, and I'm reminded of that quote by Kuiper, right? There's not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry mine. Um, love that. Whether we're talking about our, our students or ours as, as youth ministers, desire to be known and validated and affirmed and seen and influential, or whether we're talking about the simple business of, of what we do during the day, how we interact in games. I, I really appreciate that reminder and see as you're, as you're saying that, I can connect the dots and say, yeah, uh, that's something over the past 20 years that has not necessarily been the strongest in, in our formation and in our discipleship. Gentlemen, thank you so much um, for, for this. This is really helpful. I'll change gears um, and, and talk about specifically Rooted's five pillars, right? These are our core values at Rooted. And those five pillars are gospel centrality, uh, biblical and theological depth through expository Bible teaching, uh, relational discipleship, partnering with parents, and intergenerational integration. Um, These are values that we as a ministry have looked through the scriptures and say when we talk about ministry, and especially ministry to to young people, um, these are five things which are, are clearly portrayed throughout the 66 books of the Bible as essential elements. And so I'd love to hear, as we talk about Rooted's Five Pillars, um, where has youth ministry been the strongest, maybe in these areas over the past 20 years? And where have we really seen those fault lines spread open? Where have we been the weakest? Mike, I'll ask you first, as a former uh, steering committee member for Rooted's ministry. Yeah, I think that uh, relational discipleship um, is um, is probably where youth ministry uh, has been the strongest. Uh, if you just look at most youth ministry resources that are available, so many of them emphasize the importance of discipleship through relationships. Um, now, even if you disagree with those books and with what they mean by relational discipleship, you can't you can't really genuinely say that youth ministry has not prioritized relational discipleship. So even if you disagree with their models and their approach, you need to say this has been the most consistent area um, that youth ministry, I think, has has emphasized rightly. I think that biblical theological depth, expository uh, teaching, preaching— has probably been the most neglected. Um, and, and I think this is even what Walt was getting at with the just part. We just want to lead kids to Jesus. Um, I know there was one point where I was leading a summer Bible study a number of years back and then uh, went on vacation the following day after Bible study and my phone started blowing up with emails and voicemails and whatever from uh, the senior pastor about emails he was getting from people in the church complaining that I spent Bible study talking and teaching about the Trinity. And we were going to go through a a series on the Nicene Creed. And so, of course, if you're going to talk through the Nicene Creed, you have to start with the Trinity. That's right. And all these parents were, were freaking out and saying, why do my teenagers need to understand the Trinity? They need to talk more about sex and relationships and peer pressure and all these other, you know, important worldview topics. But they completely missed the reality that if they don't have a proper understanding of who God is, then all these other things kind of crumble under a Christian worldview. And theology, theological depth, expository teaching, 
um, really has just not been a thing. And even the, the reality that so many people hear it as an either or, either you teach theology to students or you talk about uh, topical issues that students really actually care about, having that, framing it as if it's a choice kind of uncovers um, how little this is valued. Yeah, that's, that's a, good, a good insight. Um, and Walt, I'd be interested in hearing your thoughts on this as well in terms of uh, the five pillars of Rooted, right? Gospel centrality, uh, biblical and theological depth, relational discipleship, partnering with parents, intergenerational integration. Um, I'd love to hear if you agree with Mike or, or take a different direction on where you think youth ministry has been the strongest and the weakest in those five areas over the past 20 years or so. Yeah, well, you know, first, let me, let me commend those five pillars, because I think they, they really do provide a balance. And I keep looking over those. I've been familiar with them for a few years, you know, as I've gotten to know the rooted folks. And I, and I just love this. I, I, if I could inject this into everybody doing youth ministry, I would do it. You know, I, it's just so good. Yeah. Now, that said, I, I will say as well that I think youth ministries in each of these five areas, I've seen things done well, and I've think, seen things in some places not done well. And I'm going to tell you that, that I'm going to give you a little redo here of a uh, rehash of what Mike just went through, because as I was listening to the question, these are the things that I would, I would agree with Mike. I think uh, relational discipleship, I think we're strong on the relational. Uh, I don't always know that the discipleship is that good because I've seen somewhat of a watering down and uh, a lack of understanding of what it means to truly live an integrated life to the yeah. glory of God. And I think, I really do think we can do better at that. Uh, I, that's, by the way, that's a functional critique for all of us individually as well. If I ever stop thinking about that in my own life, I'm in big trouble. And so I really want to live an integrated life. And, and there are always, always, you know, it just seems like every day I see another area or another nook and cranny, you know, like Kuiper talked about, uh, that, that just needs the, the gospel to, to just be woven in and through it. So, so that would be, I mean, the relational part, I think, and I would agree with Mike, I mean, that's probably where we're strongest. And I would agree with him as well. You know, when you asked the question, the first thing that came to mind where we've been the weakest, is biblical theological depth, and that has been waning. Let me give you an example of this. We talked about, you know, just bring them to Jesus. Well, it's to the point now where when someone says that, there are, uh, there's multiple questions that I'll follow up with, you know, and, and what do you mean by that? But then I have to ask the question, what Jesus? You know, who is Jesus? Who are we talking about here? Because biblically and theologically, a lot of times we just get that wrong. So another example would be we've, we've done these uh, symposiums on, on traditional biblical sexuality and a changing youth culture. You know, what does that mean? How do we teach kids to embrace uh, traditional biblical sexuality? And, and one of the trends that we've seen in the church and in the world of youth ministry is more of a slide towards uh, a progressive end on LGBTQ issues and when people say, well, I can justify that slide or my movement in that direction with Scripture, it, what I, I have not heard yet is a solid theological foundation that goes back to, you know, who we are fundamentally as human beings, goes back to who we fund or who God is fundamentally as we're introduced in the creation narrative to the Trinity, as Mike uh, talks about that. And, you know, I, I, so, so what's happening is we're losing our foundation and ultimately our, 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 the building of our ministry is falling apart. It's cracked. It's crumbling. And so I really think we need to get back to some of that uh, deep biblical and theological depth. And let me say, to think that students don't have the cognitive abilities to go deep uh, is a grave error. Amen. Because mm -hmm. I, I truly believe we have, and I've been guilty of this, right? I believe we sell our kids short in terms of their cognitive yeah. abilities. Big time. And as a result, we're holding them back. We are not giving them the opportunity for the spiritual growth potential to experience that as they've been given that. And 
So dumbing down is not helpful. I've talked to people who are leaders in the youth ministry world who will push back on you know, any sort of movement towards, you know, more theology. And I've heard some of them say, you know, I don't have time for theology. I don't want to study theology. Theology is implicit in everything that we do ministry-wise. And we can either form our theology under the authority of God's word, or we can just let it happen. And I'm doing some reading now on the on how the shape of of faith in the United States has become what's called intuitive religions, which is basically, you know, whatever I feel is what I'm going to believe. And that's what results from that is something that's completely godless. And so I think, you know, I I, I can't push enough for that. And the older I get, the more I push for that because I see just how important that is. Gentlemen, thank you so much for these insights on on youth ministry and specifically looking back over uh, the first 20 years or so of this century and and this millennium even. Um, We're going to pivot and we're going to talk a little bit and spend some time projecting into the future of youth ministry. And as we do, uh, it's no better time than now to bring you this ad from a couple of our sponsors here at Rooted, Randall House and D6. Are you concerned about your church's future? Will it serve another generation? The Bible says he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and yet we often only know how to connect to Abraham. Let Randall House and D6 help you connect with each generation. Your kids and grandkids are counting on you. D6 comes from the principles of Deuteronomy 6 and helps what happens in church also happen at home. Curriculum you can trust. Discipleship that counts. Learn more at d6family.com. As we talk about the future of youth ministry, um, I'd love for you to talk through what shifts do you expect in the field of youth ministry over the next 10 years or so, right? What skills do you think will be important for youth workers to develop uh, in order to be prepared for those shifts in the field of youth ministry? Uh, Walt, I'll start with you and, and ask this question to you first. Yeah. Boy, that's a great question. And, you know, coming from my perspective here as someone now who's taken... A, a real multidisciplinary approach to to youth ministry as a result of my training and the kind of work I do now studying culture with the Center for Parent Youth Understanding. Uh, I think we need to develop and really hone our skills in cultural discernment. And again, I I say I said this earlier. I think we really need to start with the scriptures and look at culture through the scriptures. I th- I feel like we're losing some of our edge in that in terms of biblical discernment and. And so what I'm really pushing youth workers towards now, and and when I speak to parents as well, I'm going to do that later this week in a webinar with a group of parents, and and they've got some questions about culture, is to move beyond some of the momentary trends, you know, the kinds of things that we're seeing that we need to understand, you know, related to sexuality, related to body image issues, related to social media, those sort of things, but dig deeper and look at some of the root cultural trends, what some have called mega trends that are taking place in our culture. So, you know, things like Charles Taylor talks about expressive individualism. I would want youth workers to develop skills in understanding what that is and being able to recognize it and see how that trend is at the root of so much of what's happening in the lives of our kids right now as they would be, I would say, maybe misshaped by the culture or deformed by the culture as they go through adolescence and grow into adulthood. So I think looking for some of those things, and that's where I think it's important to read. And and I've thought about that, you know, some of my go-tos, and Mike would be familiar with some of these because uh, he had them as professors or we had him read these folks when we were in the doctor of ministry program. But, you know, certainly Francis Schaefer was just skilled at that. He's been a model for me over the years. And, and to be able to sit at his feet through his books and his, his uh, you know, teaching tapes, things like that, have, has just been awesome. And then uh, guys like Oz Guinness and Carl Truman, uh, David Wells at Gordon-Conwell, who's one of the most astute cultural critics. You know, being, the, these guys are like, and they're like the men of Issachar that we read about in the Old Testament who understood the times and know what, knew what Israel should do. And so that would be the first thing I would say, you know, really working towards that. And then, 
I, I think we need to develop a theology. I'll just mention a segment here. Develop a theology of suffering and costly grace and teach that. Uh, mm. Because I think the fact that we have lost, we, we have totally lost a sense of what it means to, you know, I guess, again, come to Jesus. But what did Jesus say? You know, take up your cross and then follow me. And what does it mean to take up your cross? I mean, Bonhoeffer talked about the crisis of cheap grace. And I think we're at that point in our culture right now, in our, in our churches. And I think we also need to teach a theology of suffering. This last year with COVID has taught us that. And, you know, I see it. It's a difficult, been a difficult year and a hard year in so many ways. And I wish it hadn't happened in my life or anybody else's. I've got, you know, friends right now who are in hospital beds, you know, trying to get their air based on this thing. Uh, but at the same time, I know that these are, are moments that God will use in our lives as opportunities for us to lean into him and develop a, a theology of God doing his good work in our lives and conforming us to his image through the difficulties that we face. And I think we need to teach that to our students, which requires us to study it and learn it ourselves. Amen. Man, that's, that resonates with me so much. Mike, that's a tough answer to follow, um, but I'll, I'll turn the floor over to you and see what else that you would add uh, to that question. What, what shifts, what projections do you have for the next 10 years or so of youth ministry, and what skills or, or reading or reflection do youth workers need to be prepared um, for what the next decade will hold? Well, I think um, one of the things that I've seen is a growing confusion over what the gospel is. Um, and so on one hand, you have a, a growing, I don't know if you want to call it a trend, um, but I'll call it a trend, of people talking about wanting to be gospel-centered um, and wanting to be Jesus-centered. But when I hear them talk about what that means... That's not what we here at Rooted mean by gospel centrality. Um, that um, there is just this sense of just leading them to Jesus. And um, I think it's really important for us to have a broader understanding of both the narrow gospel and the broad gospel. And I, I put it this way, of the, the narrow gospel being cross-oriented um, and has to do with conversion of going from spiritually dead to uh, a child of God. And uh, the broader gospel having to do with the overarching sweep from Genesis to Revelation of salvation history of creation, fall, redemption, and glorification. And that the narrow gospel is about, you know, the Christian life and becoming a Christian and where the, the broader gospel has to do with forming a, a gospel-driven worldview and seeing the different ways that the gospel shapes and reshapes everything about our ministries. Um, and so I try to encourage other youth workers who I talk about, uh, who I talk with, about gospel centrality as, um, you know, is your, is your ministry gospel absent or is your gospel, is it gospel present or is it gospel-centered? And I think a lot of ministries that are gospel-present uh, consider themselves gospel-centered because they preach the gospel. But they're really only preaching the narrow gospel. Um, they're really only preaching the gospel as an evangelism tool. Um, and so I, I think that there is a growing sense of needing to dig deeper into the gospel and understanding what this gospel-centered ministry thing is all about. And so I'm encouraged about that uh, moving forward. And so um, that is my, my greatest hope for ministry, for youth ministry moving forward. I love it. And uh, we'll ask one more question about the future of youth ministry. And, and Mike, I'll start with you. We've talked about some of the, the potential pitfalls right over the next 10 years and things to be prepared for. Um, but I'd love to end this podcast and this conversation uh, with a word of hope. And so, Mike, I'll ask you this, and Walt, I'll, I'll get you to respond after him. Um, but what is one thing over the next 10 years of youth ministry or so that when you think about it and think about what could be that most excites you? Uh, the thing that most excites me about where youth ministry is heading is the role of the church in the student ministries. And I think we've, 
we've given a lot of lip service to partnering with parents and um, of integrating students into the life of the church. But I feel like I'm actually seeing more and more ministries uh, that are mainstream prioritizing this and emphasizing this and uh, equipping youth workers on you know different Facebook networks and everything about meaningfully partnering with parents and meaningfully integrating students into the life of the church. So I'm very hopeful about that. And Walt, uh, I'd love to hear from you on this question as well. Over the next 10 years, what most excites you um, when you think about the potential for the field of youth ministry? Yeah, let me give you two things. One would be right out of the gate, you know, this, and this year has really brought this to the surface. You know, it's been a tough year for everybody. And I see tough times as, as great times for ministry and, and great ministry opportunity. You know, when God brings us to the end of ourselves or God brings kids to the end of themselves, that's a great starting point for ministry because we're out there, right, ready, I hope, ready and willing to answer the spiritual hunger that's risen to the surface that people are now increasingly self-aware of with the gospel. So, you know, I I, I do think, you know, I'm not, I, I sometimes I get accused of being an old curmudgeon, you know, and oh, you're so negative. And it was, I, I think I'm being realistic here when I say that, that there is a, a cultural slide taking place. And I think things are going to get more and more difficult over the next few years for for believers, I think our faith is going to become increasingly costly. We've been really blessed here with tremendous freedoms that that other Christians who live globally have not experienced. We're not we're not the rule the rule. We're the exception, and I think the rule is starting to visit us. So I think there's great opportunities, and and I hope that youth workers look forward to that. And I think with social media too, we can build strong youth ministry communities where with our youth ministry peers, we are really able to encourage and equip, educate, inform each other in ways that move us all forward. I I think that's a, a, a great, great thing. But I'll also say that, you know, something else that's come out of this, and I just need to piggyback on what Mike just said. Uh, To me, I, I, it, it, boggles my mind that the church has become so generationally segmented. I don't know what's driven us to this other than a marketing mindset and a consumer mindset and trying to just keep everybody happy. But I think we need to make sure everybody's growing. And when we fully recognize the role that parents play in the spiritual nurture of their kids, both functionally speaking and theologically as God has set it up, um, we have to be about you know bringing families together, and I do think there are great opportunities now to equip parents. You know, when COVID hit, I saw in one of the youth ministry forums one of our peers in youth ministry was joking and saying, "Is anyone else getting concerned that parents are picking up the ball for the spiritual nurture of their kids, and we're all going to lose our jobs?" And I thought that was you know it was tongue in cheek and it was brilliant, but it was about a great trend. And I know at CPYU, I stopped traveling. I wasn't able to go out and speak anymore, so we shifted gears and we said, hey, this is what we've been hoping for for 30 years. This is what we've been working towards. So we started, I know Mike was a part of this, we started to put together these family table talk devotionals. We have about 100 of them out there now that people can just access for free, and it gives parents the opportunity to sit with their families around the dinner table, which they've been doing, and just to nurture each other in the faith, to look to the scriptures together and begin to understand God's plan uh, for their lives and for the world. So I, I think we're, I'm excited about that as well. You know, if we could work ourselves out of a job, that's a great thing. That means that maybe families are functioning the way they should. So uh, yeah, I, I think it's, I think there's a great future. I, I, obviously, we're all going to have to be there to continue to do youth ministry but I think these are great opportunities for us that are on the horizon. I get hopeful uh, when I hear you speak about that. So thank you so much. And uh, Walt, and, and for those of you who are listening, this is uh, Dr. Walt Mueller that we're speaking with. Um, we know that uh, you can learn more about the Center for Parent Youth Understanding at cpyu.org. Is that also where you can find uh, the free Table Talk devotionals that you mentioned? Yep, yep those are there. And, and I'll tell you two things that are... That, that people need to know about that are on there as well. Is it okay if I mention them? Absolutely. 
Okay, I didn't. I I, I want to be sure. You know, this is not self promotion, but I, no, no, we no. Put there's together, a reason. There's a reason we've got folks like you on the podcast. The resources we, are excellent. Use them. Yes, they are. That's it. Great. Well, uh, I'll tell you one of the things that we do that people really don't know about. We've been doing it for 17 years. It's on the radio all across North America. A little one-minute daily radio segment called Youth Culture Today. And we use that to educate, inform, equip, and give hope, practical hope, to parents and to youth workers. And like I said, I think it's 18 years now, actually. And it's now available as a podcast. And it's like the easiest way that uh, youth workers and parents can partner together to learn more about what's happening in the culture. And then our Youth Culture Matters podcast, which Mike has been on, we have over 120 episodes of that out there now. And we really do, I think, we, we go out of our way to find people who will really challenge us to think and take us deeper theologically and give us hope in some very practical ways as we work as parents with our teenagers and our children and as we work as youth workers with kids. Yeah, thank you for that. No shame at all uh, in making us aware of those resources. Those are helpful. And likewise, Dr. Mike McGeary, uh, you write at livingtheologically.com. Uh, and is that the bless, best place for folks to check in uh, in terms of, of your writing and reflections and future publications? Uh, is that the best place to, to follow you? Uh, the best place to follow me is probably on Twitter, um, at Rev McGarry is my Twitter handle. Um, Living Theologically, that's kind of just a fun place for me to put some thoughts out into the world and... Sometimes I'll blog once a week for a couple months, and sometimes I'll take a year off. So, um, but yeah, everything I write, I'll share on social media. So the best way to keep in touch with me is probably over Twitter. Love it. Awesome. Well, uh, Dr. Mueller, Dr. McGeary, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thank you. This was fun. I had fun too. And uh, listeners, I hope that you had fun. This will not be the last of this sort of conversation. Uh, look to the Rooted Youth Ministry podcast and other channels of Rooted's ministry at the beginning of 2021 as we continue looking back and looking forward when it comes to trends in the field of youth ministry. I'll leave that as a little teaser and hope that that will encourage you to stay tuned. Uh, but for all of us here at Rooted, I want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast. If you found this podcast helpful or encouraging, we'd appreciate your help in bringing this grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated content to others who might also benefit. Help us serve others by sharing this resource on social media, by leaving five-star feedback, or simply by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. For more grace-filled, gospel-centered, Bible-saturated resources, be sure to visit www.rootedministry.com. As always, special thanks to High Street Hymns for providing the music for this podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Rooted, uh, this has been Davis Lacey. Merry Christmas, Happy Advent, and thanks for listening to the Rooted Youth Ministry Podcast.